On this episode of Blue 58, we're suddenly more than a week away from a Packers football game. What is this, the offseason? Let's take a second and take stock of how people are feeling about the most important people in the Packers organization. Blue 58! Hello and welcome to another episode of Blue 58, the one and only podcast to thepowersweep.com. I am your host, John Meerdink, joining you here on the bye week. Yes, we've got a ways to go before the Packers play football, but we are still bringing you the good stuff here in the middle near middle of the season. It feels like the middle of the season, but really we're almost only just over a third of the way through the season. Let's not spend too much time worrying about that. Let's instead kind of take stock of where the Packers are right now as an organization. And I thought the best way to do that was taking a look at at a few names um, and sort of seeing how they line up with the poll data that we've been collecting so far this season. One of the highlights for me personally so far this year has been doing a little bit more of the uh, the polling data type stuff and tracking some of our own custom, I don't want to call them advanced stats. I've also, I've always felt a little bit uncomfortable with that. Uh, custom stats is is some of the stuff that I've been, in, been looking into. And next week when we talk a little bit more about uh, those numbers, We'll dive into those, but for right now, I want to take a look at the poll data, what we've collected so far, and and what it says about the people who are making big decisions for the Packers right now. Generally speaking, people feel, I think, a little bit mixed about the Packers, but I would say still surprisingly good. I've been a little bit amazed, actually, about how positive people have been about the Packers. Last week, Leading up to the 49ers game, I wrote a piece on the blog that I mentioned here called The Packers Are Irrelevant. And it basically argued that the Packers aren't really bad right now, but they certainly aren't good. And they certainly aren't a team that anybody's super concerned about. And I got some pushback there. A lot of people said oh, their, their offense is in the top 10, their defense is in the top 5. You know, things are going pretty well. Well, maybe. And I think we saw against the 49ers that some of those numbers, if not all of those numbers, at least for the counting stats, the volume stats, may be a little bit of a mirage. And even Mike Pettin himself, concerning the defensive numbers, kind of said, well, uh, I I don't know if I pay a whole lot of attention to that top 10 ranking. And uh, for good reason, it turned out, because his boys got worked pretty good by C.J. Beathard. Well, maybe not so much Beathard, but by Kyle Shanahan. But All that to say, I think people are still feeling pretty positive about the Packers so far. To that point, we asked this week in our our weekly poll um, what the Packers' record would be over their final 10 games of the season. 67%, two out of three people, out of 60 voters, said the Packers would be over 500 for their last 10 games. So that's pretty good. That may not get you to the playoffs, but if you go... 5-5 five and five the rest of the way, that gets you to 8-7-1. and one. Not the result anybody's hoping for, but after a 1-1-1 one, one, and one start, a 3-2-1 and one start at your bye, you could do a lot worse than 8-7-1. Than but people are also not as positive as they once were about the team overall. One of the questions we ask every week is, how are you feeling about the, about the team right now? Very positive, somewhat positive, somewhat negative, or very negative. There are some limitations to asking a poll question that has only four answers. You don't get a neutral answer in there. But there are some benefits to forcing people to choose whether they feel positive or negative. Well, right now, the very positives are at their third lowest point of the season 
so far. The only two times things have been lower for the Packers have been after after losses. Right now, just 10% of voters say they feel very positive about where the Packers are. Another 59% say somewhat positive. Another 26% say somewhat negative. And another nine percent, or another five percent, excuse me, say say very negative. So more more people than not feel positive about the Packers, but that levels at a lower number than what we've seen in the past. After or, or leading up to the their Week Five game, ninety eight percent of voters felt positive. Now we're down to just sixty nine percent. So things are trending downward a little bit in terms of how people feel about the Packers. And this, though we don't have a number that ties directly, excuse me, or a poll question that ties directly to this particular person in the Packers organization, I think is a reflection of the man at the very tip top, Mark Murphy. I would like to call your attention back to a piece that we wrote in January, shortly after the Packers went through a bunch of organizational change that essentially resulted with Mark Murphy sitting at the top all by himself. Mark Murphy is in charge of this whole thing, and that's kind of been lost a little bit as we've gotten into the actual season. But for reasons that will become clear as we dive into this piece, that needs to remain at the foremost, at the fore, as we talk about where the Packers organization goes next. Because if anything's going to happen with the Packers of significance going forward, as it pertains to one embattled head coach, it's going to have to come from Mike Mc- or Mark Murphy. There are too many M names in the Packers organization. Really just the two, but you know what I mean. So I'd like to read a part of this, uh, this story, um, which we titled, It's All About Mark Murphy. Um, just, just, just a little bit. I'll give you a taste. So in his 10 years with the team, Murphy has largely been a silent partner, content to oversee the increasingly profitable business side of the organization. Now, after a series of events precipitated by one calamitous hit in Minnesota, Murphy's contributions to the organization are laid bare. Murphy is the one who set up a power structure that deviates from what's been successful in Green Bay for more than a generation. It was Murphy who picked the general manager who sits at the center of it all. It's Murphy who picked Brian Gutekunst and Russ Ball over Elliot Wolf. It was Murphy who said he doesn't want to make football decisions, but decided to keep the authority to hire and fire the head coach. It was Murphy who claimed he had no desire to micromanage, but said he was planning to discuss game plans with his head coach. And it will be Murphy who's responsible for pulling the trigger on dismissing any one of the men he's put in place should they falter. So now, almost exactly 10 months later, all of that is still true. All of this is still riding on Mark Murphy. If the time comes to fire Mike McCarthy, can he pull the trigger? If Mike McCarthy is fired, will Mark Murphy be the one who hires the next head coach? Or will he turn those duties over to Brian Gutekunst and let him do the thing that most general managers in the NFL get to do? Those questions all still matter now in October, just as much as they did in January. And if there are going to be substantive changes to the Packers coaching staff, Mark Murphy is going to have to be involved one way or other, either by making the decision on who's going to be the next coach or deciding to turn over those powers to Brian Gutekunst and further changing the Packers management structure. That's interesting, and that's something that we need to watch. Speaking of Brian Gutekunst, He's one of the people in this entire 
situation, I think, whose poll numbers have stayed the most consistent, though they have started to slide a little bit. Overall, 90% of people still have a positive impression of Gutekunst and the job he's doing as general manager so far this season. 35% are very positive as of this week. 55% are somewhat positive. 10% are somewhat negative. Nobody is very negative. And never at any point uh, this season have more than 2% of our voters said they feel very negative about Brian Gutekunst. That's, I would think, pretty good news. But that very positive number, that 35%, is the second lowest mark that Gutekunst has received so far this year. I can't think of any particular reason why things would be lower right this second as opposed to other times throughout the year uh, for Gutekunst. But maybe it's just a reflection of how people generally feel about the Packers. So somebody's got to get blamed. Gutekunst is one of the people in charge of making decisions, so he takes a little bit of a hit even if things aren't entirely his fault. That's not to say that there aren't some things that are are his fault, because there are. I think if you look at the safety position and the outside linebacker position, you'll see two areas that the Packers could have taken steps to improve this offseason and really didn't do anything. I think it's telling that Josh Jones hasn't played really at all this season on defense, and yet the Packers did nothing to try to get better. If the Packers knew what they had in Josh Jones and that they weren't going to play him, why didn't they take any steps to have a, a safety group that was better than what they have now? I mean, it just doesn't make any sense. Same is true at outside linebacker. Clay Matthews and Nick Perry have not been great so far this year, but the Packers knew what they had in those guys, and they didn't take any serious steps to try to try to change those things. But I think there is one reason that Gutekunst maybe hasn't been as aggressive in upgrading certain parts of his roster. Um, I think the Packers are in year one of a two-year rebuild. I wrote something to this effect at Acme Packing Company. You can see it in their Wednesday walkthroughs piece that they, they put publish every week, which I publish every week. I put that together for them. But my take uh, this week, um, well, I should back up. The, the topic we did this week was what are the Packers? Kind of an open-ended question. And uh, I was just trying to provoke a response from people, trying to see what people think this team is. My answer to that question, what are the Packers? Well, what they are is a team that's in year one of a two-year rebuild. It's it's just a, a short little piece here, four paragraphs. I'll read it to you. When Ted Thompson took over as general manager of the Packers in 2005, the cupboard was pretty bare. Mike Sherman had floundered in his dual coach-GM role, and the Packers needed a teardown on both sides of the ball before they could return to contention. Though the Packers' roster and cap situation is much better in, in much better shape than when Ted Thompson got the job, his last few years at the helm didn't leave much in the way of roster depth for his successor. Though having Aaron Rodgers at quarterback does make the Packers nominal contenders, the season so far has shown us they clearly rank outside the realm of the league's elite. And yes, they could be 5-1 if a couple calls and kicks went differently. They would still be a deeply flawed team, even if they were 5-1. Thus, Brian Gutekunst has spent much of his tenure to date collecting assets, like the trade back in the first round of the draft, and positioning himself to enter his second offseason as GM with a boatload of cap space by discarding aging veterans outright, like Jordy Nelson, or declining to make serious overtures towards other higher-priced but inconsistent players, like Clay Matthews, Randall Cobb, and Ha Ha Clinton Dix. 
So what we're seeing this season is the result of Gudekunst accepting the fact that this team is farther from contending than most would want to admit, admit, but his moves have put the Packers back on the path to success. I still stand by that. Yes, all these many hours later since that was published. Uh, but that's, that's my opinion of where the Packers are this year. They are in the first early stages of a rebuild. Um, not, it's not a complete teardown. They don't have to gut the roster, and they're not going to. There is a, uh, quite a few solid players on the roster. Uh, I was just talking with somebody today. I said uh, about Brian, G- uh, not Brian Gutekinds, David Bakhtiari. Um, for as much credit as Ted Thompson has gotten for drafting David Bakhtiari, it still isn't enough because he is just incredible. How many offensive linemen do you know of that are fun to watch? I don't know of many, but Brian Gutekunst, or Brian Gutekunst, why do I want to confuse Gutekunst and Bakhtiari? David Bakhtiari is one of the linemen who is actually fun to watch. Just so good. He just erases people. They are non-factors if they try to, to rush the quarterback against David Bakhtiari. That's pretty incredible. Devontae Adams, another player that Ted Thompson put on this roster and that he was able to resign at a pretty substantial discount from what he would gotten, would have gotten probably on the open market. He deserves credit for those things. So things aren't as dire as when Ted Thompson took over for Mike Sherman when Brian Gutekunst gets the job now. Still, I think the Packers were further away than a lot of people wanted to admit and now Gutekunst is having to deal with that. And he's choosing to deal with that by not getting super aggressive at some positions. Is that the right approach? I'm not exactly sure. Um, I think you could have it both ways if you want it. You could prepare for that, you know, that big offseason next year and also upgrade positions that you you know that you need a lot of help at. I mean, safety is still going to be an issue next offseason. Outside linebacker is still going to be an, an issue next offseason. Why couldn't you take steps to start addressing those things now? I don't know. But uh, he hasn't, and uh, there's got to be a reason somewhere. But overall, I still think Gutekunst is doing a pretty good job, and it seems as though most of our voters agree. Let's take a brief aside here to talk about a guy who actually doesn't have much visible power in the Packers organization right now, but could have been a bigger player. Russ Ball. There is an alternate universe where Russ Ball is the general manager of the Packers, and I think that's kind of scary. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, it didn't it didn't get much publicity, and I'm not sure why, because there was a couple of interesting nuggets in here. Rob Domovsky did a piece uh, kind of about the end of the Ted Thompson era, and one thing he dropped in there that I have not seen anywhere else is the idea that maybe over the last couple of years, the Thompson tenure, it was more Russ Ball making the decisions than it was Ted Thompson. And I think that fits with some of the things that we've seen uh, from the Packers over the past couple of years. The Packers have never been super eager to spend a lot in free agency at any point during the Ted Thompson era, but things got pretty, pretty tight spending-wise over the past couple of years, the last two years. And I think that penny-pinching is, is Russ Ball's business instinct. I mean, it's his job. It's been his job the entire time he's been with the Packers to protect the cap. And that's what he's done at every turn. Any threat to the Packers cap situation, he has sided with the cap over the player. And I think that's the reason that you've seen guys like Micah Hyde and Julius Peppers and Jared Cook 
end up elsewhere. Guys, sometimes with those guys that are, you know, second, third tier roster players, third tier players on your roster, you end up paying a little bit more than you probably would have to keep guys like that just because they're your own guys. I mean, hometown discounts really aren't a thing. And I can understand the being disinclined to want to pay those guys that are second or third tier players that premium, thinking you can probably find a second or third tier player somewhere else. The thing is, those are the guys that really make your team special. If you've got everybody can put together some stars. It's easy to just go out and blow a ton of money to bring in a star or to trade up and get one really, really good guy at the top of the draft. Anybody can do that if the price is right. But it's a lot harder to uh, assemble a deep roster with these these homegrown sort of guys or guys that, you know, are are veterans and maybe, you know, they're not going to be super long-term players, but they can still contribute better than one of those rookie-level players is going to. That's what you would see with guys like Micah Hyde when they were in Green Bay. You know, he wasn't the all-pro player that he that he turned out to be. But still, he was a, a solid depth guy, and now he would be one of their better safeties, probably their best safety. Um, but you need guys like that at the second and third tier. And when you start making decisions purely on cap and not on football reasons, you end up walking away from a lot of those guys. So Russ Ball gets a little bit of blame for that, I think. But now that the Packers have a real GM in charge, um, hopefully you you avoid situations like that in the future. Let's talk about Mike McCarthy, then we'll talk about Mike Pettin, then we'll send you into the weekend. Um, Mike McCarthy is in a bit of an interesting place right now. And I think a lot of people are split on McCarthy. Every week it seems like the the real the, the tape eaters out there, the film grinders out there, shout out to Dusty Evely and Ben Fennell and Andy Herman and all those guys on, on Twitter who do that week in and week out. I don't know how you guys do that. Sometimes I feel a little bit burned out doing stuff like this three times a week. Can't imagine the amount of time that they're putting in. So kudos to those guys. But um, all of those guys have really showed, I think, over the past two or three weeks that the reputation that Mike McCarthy has gotten as being uncreative and having a bad scheme is more false than true. There still is an element of truth to it, and I think his stubbornness as a play caller gives unnecessary credence to the idea that his scheme is bad, but I don't think his scheme is as big of a problem as people think. So there's kind of this this fight, this tension going on over the, those, that sort of idea uh, how big of a problem is he? And that's showing up in the poll results. Uh, right now, 48% of voters have a positive impression of uh, Mike McCarthy. 52% have a negative impression. But when you drill down into the data a little bit further, people are clustering towards the middle here. Just 5% are very positive. 9% are very negative. That leaves you 43% each that are somewhat positive or somewhat negative. People don't have strong feelings either way about Mike McCarthy. I think there's just sort of a general malaise about his tenure at head coach as head coach right now. People would rather, I think, move on from him than than keep him, but they don't want to do it right now. It'll be interesting to see how things play out over the in the next couple of weeks. If the Packers go 0 and 2 in their next two games and I think there is a better than average chance that that's what's going to happen. We will see if things get really hairy for Mike McCarthy uh, in the in the public forum. He's still not going to get fired before the end of the season. There's really no benefit to doing that. 
And to show that there's really not a benefit to do the, doing that, I thought we would walk through the, the process of firing Mike McCarthy right now. So as I see it right now, uh, there are three options for, for your situation with Mike McCarthy. You can fire him right now, you can fire him after the season, or you can keep him and you know fire him at some point in the future. Every coach gets fired. You get hired to get fired. That's just how things go. Very few people retire as, as a head coach. Um, so say you want to fire him right now. Well, if you're hoping that's going to lead to immediate improvement for the Packers, well, you need to temper those expectations because that's not what going, what's going to happen. Because if you, if you fire him right now, you're not going to hire your, your long-term head coach in October. Uh, that doesn't happen unless you hire an interim coach from within the organization who turns out to be your long-term head coach. And if that's all you want, well, okay, I guess. But if you're hoping for a major shakeup, you really want that outside hire. If you did fire Mike McCarthy now, chances are you'd end up with one of these three guys as your interim coach. Offensive coordinator Joe Philbin, uh, defensive coordinator Mike Pettin, or associate head coach slash linebackers coach Winston Moss. If you're hoping for big changes on offense, I don't think you want to go with Joe Philbin. Mike Pettin has been a head coach before, and it doesn't sound like he particularly enjoyed his experience. So I'm not sure that's really the direction you want to go. And Winston Moss, for reasons that I do not entirely understand, is probably the most hated assistant coach on the Packers right now. I struggle with that sometimes because I'm not sure what hard evidence you really have of the effect his coaching is having on particular players, but if that's the way that you want to live your life, okay, that's fine with me. If you just want to hate Winston Moss, okay, fine. But he would be one of the guys that would be considered as the interim head coach if Mike McCarthy would get fired between now and the Rams game or any point this season. So none of those are particularly thrilling options. Of those three, I would kind of like to see what Mike Pettin would do. He seems like a pretty forward-thinking guy in terms of the way that he runs things. So I'd be interested to see what his offense ends up looking like if he hires a, an interesting offensive coordinator. Um, you know, he does have some connections to guys like Kyle Shanahan. So that could be interesting if you want to do that going forward. But it's not going to happen in season, so this is kind of a, a silly point to talk about. If you fire Mike McCarthy after the season, I think you got a couple choices that you got to work through. Do you want to go with an offensive or defensive coach? Do you want to hire a guy from college or the professional ranks? Offense, to me, is probably the directions the Packers would want to go. The team is already sort of set up as an offensive team. Even if you do a moderate rebuild, which I've argued they're already in, it'll probably tend to skew towards offense as long as you have Aaron Rodgers. That's why you sign a guy like Jimmy Graham as opposed to spending, spending $10 million bucks on a corner or uh, an edge rusher or something like that. So say you go the college route and hire somebody from college. I think it's less about schemes than about names. You're trying to kind of pick a name that you like, I think, at, at this point, if you're hiring a college coach. Um, the big-name guys, the ultra-big-name guys, like Nick Saban or Urban Meyer, are probably not going to the pros. Uh, I've heard some people argue that Nick Saban might want to give the pros another shot. I don't know why he would ever want to leave Mobile, Alabama. I mean, if I was him, I would never leave that city again. I would just win two or three more titles, which he probably will, and then I would, you know, become emperor of Alabama. 
because if he wanted to be emperor of Alabama, I'm sure they would find a way to make that work. He's probably pretty close already. So he's not coming to the pros. Then you talk about guys like Jim Harbaugh. Okay, that might work. I might be interested in something like that. But I think he's pretty set at Michigan, just up the road from where I am. And if uh, if he became the head coach of the Packers, there would just be all sorts of Michigan-related implications in my life for things I don't want to get into. But it would be it would be it would be odd. So um, the big names aren't coming. So then you're talking about guys like Lincoln Riley. I've seen come up. David Shaw. I've seen come up. Brian Kelly is a guy that from Notre Dame just seems like a guy the Packers would be interested in for some reasons that I don't entirely understand. But it, it just he just seems like a guy that the Packers would talk themselves into being interested in. Who knows? Um, so you're, you're, you're throwing out names there more than scheme styles because I think in college you're not trying to run a system as much as find the best athletes and build a things around them that they do well. And I think the, the college game is, is becoming more homogenized um, in, in the things that it does, um, much in the vein that the NFL has sort of over time. But that's, that's sort of a side point. The point is you're not hiring so much for scheme styles there. In the pros, I think the approach to hiring a guy who would replace Mike McCarthy is picking a, a new or maybe a familiar name off a coaching tree that you happen to like. So coaching trees that I happen to be a fan of right now would be Andy Reid, Sean Payton, Doug Peterson, who's kind of in that Andy Reid tree, and Sean McVay. So pick somebody, a coordinator, a quarterback's coach from that those groups and see if they can make it work. Identify some guys in that vein in those groups who do the things that fit within what you want to do that you think can take it to the next level. Um, I've heard a a few people float the idea of the the Saints offensive coordinator. He's from that Sean Payton school, obviously. Forget his name off the top of my head. But, you know, that's the sort of hire that you could see the Packers making if they want to go in a new direction. But there is also the idea that the Packers won't hire somebody they don't have previous connections with. The Packers, as an organization, are pretty conservative about bringing in completely unconnected people. They've tended to go with the sorts of people who have existing connections to the Packers, however tenuous they may be, um, when they've, they've hired people. So I don't know how much of a long shot somebody entirely out of the organization or entirely without connections to the Packers of some kind would be, but that's something worth keeping an eye on. So we'll see what happens. Um, Who knows if Mike McCarthy gets fired? Uh, I've heard some people say that it would take an act of God for him to get moved out of Green Bay just because of how conservative the organization is. If the Packers miss the playoffs for a second year in a row, that kind of would be an act of God, at least as far as Packers football is concerned. So who knows? We could be seeing a change there at some point. Finally, Mike Patton. We got to talk to Mike, talk about Mike Patton. Oh boy, if we could talk to Mike Patton, that'd be pretty great. We got to talk about Mike Patton a little bit here and then then hit the road uh, and enjoy our bye week weekend. Um, poll numbers for Mike Patton are still solid, but as low as they've been in a while. Still 88% of people say they have a positive impression of the, the job he's doing so far, but just 12%, the lowest point or the lowest number so far this season, say they have a very positive uh, impression of the head, of the uh, defensive coordinator, that is. Still, if there is evidence of, a, a, of both, one, a rebuild, and two, the ability for the Packers to improve, 
it is Mike Patton. If you look at a few key numbers for how the Packers are performing on defense, red zone touchdown percentage, third down conversion percentage, three and out percentage, the Packers are better significantly at each one of those numbers than they were under Dom Capers last year. But, but, even though the Packers are much better on defense, there are still just so many holes in this defense that it barely seems to matter how much better the scheme is. I mean, you look at how things went during that 49ers game, and those are not scheme problems. The Packers just don't have a lot of good players on defense. Their safety group is a mess. Kentrell Bryce keeps making the same mistakes over and over and over and over and over and over again on every deep ball. He doesn't seem to be able to track the ball in the air. He loses track of receivers as they go by him. Uh, Clinton Dix always seems to guess wrong or take poor angles on tackles. That happened again. Um, I don't know exactly the play or the when the time when in the game it happened, but I can picture the play happening in my head. He took a bad angle on George Kittle, and Kittle just shook him off like he was nothing and made his way inside the the 10-yard line, and I think the 49ers ended up scoring a touchdown two plays later. Uh, but he it seems like there's at least one play a game where, where HaHa is taking a really poor angle, um, and it's just costing the Packers. And Petten can't manufacture any, any pressure without getting wacky with the scheme. I mean, the Packers have no pass rushers up front. It just shows the holes that are still there in this defense, and Patton can only do do so much. Still, I think he's he's been a good hire, and the Packers uh, are, are, glad, are glad to have him, uh, even if things are not completely better on that side of the ball. So, overall, sum it up. Put a bow on this. Um, I think this is still going to be a very interesting season for these big power brokers in the Packers organization. Mark Murphy still has his fingerprints all over this organization. Brian Gutekunst still wields a lot of power, even if he doesn't have all the decision-making powers. Uh, And Mike McCarthy is not going anywhere anytime soon. But if things start to get really bad, it'll be interesting to see how things play out over the rest uh, of the season and into the early parts of the offseason. We'll be right here covering all of that for you, talking about it with you, trying to navigate this uh, this increasingly strange season together. Uh, I'm having fun with it so far. I hope you are as well. Um, that's all we're going to talk about for this particular episode. Uh, stay tuned next week. We will not have an episode on Monday, but we've got some stuff in the works for Wednesday, and then we'll be back on our normal schedule into the uh, into the remainder of this season. Um, So thank you for watching, for listening, for reading all of our stuff. Uh, Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter and uh, rate and review the podcast on iTunes. If you haven't done that, it helps more people find the show. Do appreciate you listening. This has been episode number 116. The show is over now. Goodbye. Blue 58, hit, hit.